0: Hey everyone, welcome to Access All Areas, a podcast featuring inspiring conversations with a range of amazing individuals, including Paralympic athletes, accessible tour companies, disabled influencers, and many more. In this episode, we feature the audio version of a conversation that was recorded live. If you'd like to watch the video version, head over to Honda Discover's Facebook page or YouTube channel. Now, let's jump into the episode. Hey, everyone. I am Corey Lee, the content manager here at Honda Discover and your host for Access All Areas. So joining me this week is a very special guest. I'm going to be talking with Emily Ladau. She is a disability rights advocate, an author, a public speaker, and much more. So Emily, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hey, Corey Lee. I'm so pumped to be here.
0: Yeah, it's really good to talk with you. I think it's been about six years since we saw each other at Abilities Expo in New York. So it's been a long time, actually.
1: It's been a a few years and a pandemic, but, you know,
0: (laughs) right? it's It's, fine. Here we are. Seems like 20 years with the pandemic.
1: (laughs) Very true.
0: (laughs) Yeah. To start us out, can you just tell us all, you know, who you are and what your disability is?
1: Absolutely. So I am Emily Liddell, as you mentioned. I am a writer. I'm a speaker. I'm a communicator and a storyteller. And I do everything with passion for educating people about the disability experience. And so my disability is called Larson syndrome. It's a genetic joint and muscle disorder. And I use a wheelchair to get around. And a cool fun fact is that my mom and her younger brother, my uncle, also have the same disability that I do. So it runs in the family and it's part of my DNA. And it's very much part of what makes me who I am. And it's part of my identity that I am incredibly proud of.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And as I know, I mean, you're a rock star disability advocate. So what ignited your passion for advocacy? Was it, you know, you know, being raised by a mom that also had the same disability? Or what really started your passion?
1: Well, first of all, in terms of being a rockstar advocate, I appreciate the compliment, but would also say it takes one to know one, because you are fantastic. And I just really wanted to get that out there right away. Um, (laughs) And so much of what drives me is the community of people with disabilities who are out there doing the work, people like you. And so, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that. But Honestly, yes, it, it had so much to do with having a mom with a disability that really got me started at a young age. And the truth is that my mom was and continues to be a great advocate, but she wasn't really involved so much in the broader advocacy community. But my parents did a lot to ensure that I was surrounded by positive examples of advocates and to be surrounded by peers with disabilities. And so because of that, and because of seeing my mom be such a strong advocate for herself and for me, I was really able to learn those advocacy skills to connect with other people with disabilities. And that combination is what drove me to become such a passionate advocate and part of such a Powerhouse community.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And um, when I was doing research about you before this interview, I saw one really cool fun fact that I'm dying over. You were on Sesame Street. Like, I think that's just the coolest fun fact of all time. I mean, how did that happen? How was it? I know you were a kid at the time. So, uh, how was that?
1: you know, I had a feeling that was the the fun fact that was coming. And yeah, to be honest, I think I appreciate the experience much more in hindsight, right? Because I was only 10 yeah. when it happened. And so at 10 years old, I don't think I fully appreciated the power of what was going on. But I went to summer camp for kids with physical disabilities and the talent manager from Sesame Street called the summer camp and said, hey, we have a young woman who uses a wheelchair and she is aging out. She's not going to be on the show anymore. Do you have any recommendations for people who could audition to fill a role? And at the time I was this loud and you know, outspoken and one might say slightly annoying (laughs) child and the camp directors recommended me. And so I went through the audition process and I got the part. And I think the most powerful thing about it for me was being given this platform at such a young age and taking part in the process of writing the script that introduced me to the neighborhood, being really involved in that and getting to educate kids about my experiences using different mobility devices and getting around as a disabled person, that's a really powerful thing. And to have done that at 10 years old was the push that... I don't even think I realized at the time that I needed to begin to move in the direction of embracing who I am and being proud of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for kids to be able to watch Sesame Street, I mean, the most popular children's show ever, probably, and see someone that uses a wheelchair on there and has a disability, I mean, that is so powerful, like, in itself. And then to hear that, you know, you had the amazing behind the scenes experience of actually working on the script, doing the behind the scenes work. I think that's even better that they, you know, wanted your input there. So um, that's just incredible to hear.
1: A hundred percent. It was really authentic and it was really meaningful. And, you know, it was a, a short time in my life. It was one season, but it's not something that you can forget. And to be the person that other kids saw on TV, To just be that person for someone where a kid is saying, I see myself or, you know, I see my friend, right? I see somebody who looks like me or who looks like somebody I know or who looks like a family member. That's a really powerful thing because you don't see that even now as much as you would like. And certainly when I was younger, you didn't see it as frequently. And so knowing that I could be that for somebody because there are people in my life who have been that for me is a really powerful thing.
0: Yeah. And if anyone, you know, is listening, and maybe they're a parent that is new to having a child with a disability, what's a tip that you would give them? Would it be to, you know, join clubs and befriend other children with disabilities? So they see that representation in real life? Or what would one or two of your tips be?
1: That is such a great question. And honestly, I think the most important thing is to surround yourself and your child with representation from the disability community. So get yourself children's books that represent disability. You know, there's a great one um, all the way to the top by Jennifer Keelan Chaffins, which is a really fun book about a moment in U.S. disability history, the Capitol Crawl. And there's another really great children's book, We Move Together, which talks about disability rights and disability justice. And it, it's such a beautifully illustrated children's book. And, you know, surrounding yourself with fun television shows that show disability and Ensuring that the people who your child has in their lives look like them and navigate the world like them and maybe navigate the world differently than them, but still have that disability experience. You know, one of the best things that parents can do if they have a new child with a disability is not to shy away from disability, not to shy away from that community because there's a whole beautiful group of disabled adults who have been living this life, who have been navigating this world, who can show the path and show the way. And, you know, that's not to say that their experience is going to be the same as your experience or your child's experience because. There's 1.3 billion disabled people. So you have 1.3 billion different experiences and opinions on disability. But if you surround yourself with disability culture, I think you'll ultimately be rewarded with a sense of community and a sense of pride and a support system to get through the more difficult moments. And that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with everything you said. I think seeing you know, other people that have the same disability as you or even different disabilities is uh, tremendously valuable, especially when you're young um, and growing up. So it can be a difficult time for anyone regardless of disability, but especially having a disability. So I'm really glad that you uh, said that. But what, um, to kind of shift gears, what is one issue that's affecting the disability community today that you're passionate about? And how can people listening to this podcast right now help out? What can they do to help?
1: Gosh, that's a great question. And to be totally honest with you, I always remind people that Every issue is a disability issue because every issue impacts disabled people. Disabled people are part of this world, they're part of your communities. So if there's an issue that you're fighting for and disability is not part of that conversation, then my goodness, what are you doing? But you know, in terms of narrowing down the conversation, my gut instinct is to talk about, Transportation to talk about infrastructure because I think that that is so much the connecting force between. Everything else that we do, whether it's employment, education, access to health care, whether it's voting, right, whether it's socialization, you need transportation to be able to get there. And because I'm a New Yorker, I am especially passionate about advocating for transportation accessibility because, my goodness, New York and the subway system <laughs> and our um Overall transportation system is just kind of a mess to be to be honest. So, you know, if I had to ask people to get involved in one thing, it would be take a look around your local community and ask yourself: is the infrastructure accessible to disabled people? Whether that is curb cuts on the sidewalk, whether that is an accessible transit station that has ramps and elevators, whether those elevators are in working order, right? You know, ask yourself, is this a transportation system that works for everybody? And if it's not, start advocating for those small changes, you know, one ramp, one elevator, my goodness, that can make a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could talk about New York City transportation for the next 30 minutes, probably. I've had Some really wild experiences. I was trapped underground one time because all of the elevators were not working at every time I tried to get off at. Uh, Trapped underground for about four hours. Uh, The taxis, there are a lot of accessible taxis now, but I've also had problems with taxi drivers not wanting to, you know, tie my chair down, or the ramp not working on the taxis to be able to get into it. It's broken or don't have the tie down straps it's a whole debacle that we could spend the whole episode talking about honestly but um yes definitely agree transportation even when traveling that's kind of where i always start researching when i'm you know wanting to visit a destination is the public transportation accessible are there accessible taxis because if there's not then i'm just going to be stuck there in the airport when we land and unable to leave the airport so I heavily agree transportation is a huge issue and should be accessible worldwide.
1: Gosh, it's the first thing that I look into also. I think that, you know, when you're disabled, as much as we might want to be spontaneous, our first instinct is to immediately double check every possible transportation option before you even leave the house, because you need to know that you're gonna be able to get from point A to point B and then have a contingency plan. If something comes up and I relate so heavily to everything you said, you know, as a lifelong New Yorker, I've been trapped underground. I've been carried up the stairs by firefighters. I've had to go completely out of my way to get from point A to point B. I've had evenings ruined and, you know, taxi drivers who won't take me when they see that I'm a wheelchair user. They just drive right on past. And, you know, even just last night, truly last night, I was at Penn Station in New York City. And one of the elevators is down and I had to take this really scary chairlift up the stairs to just uh, get out of the the platform. And my goodness. So yes, I could easily spend hours talking about (laughs) this. But suffice it to say, if I had to ask for people to advocate for one issue area, that's what it would be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hope people do listen and advocate for accessible transportation. That would be amazing. And we definitely need more allies doing that. Um, and speaking of allies, uh, for anyone listening that wants to be an ally to people with disabilities but doesn't really know, you know, where to begin with that process, what would you recommend?
1: You know, for me, it's really all about being open to learning, to having conversations, to recognizing that you're not always going to get it right. And I am not the type who likes to be self-promotional, but I will, in this particular case, offer that I have written a book, which I hope will be a starting point these conversations so it's called demystifying disability what to know what to say and how to be an ally and i'm going to be very straight up with everyone that it is not the bible on allyship and it is not the encyclopedia of disability and i'm only one person with a disability right? And so I don't speak for everyone. I can't speak for everyone. And I can't put every single opinion of every single disabled person in one book. But what I can say is that I hope this offers a way for people to begin to dive into conversations around language and around etiquette and history and ableism and accessibility and some of the concepts that may feel a little bit uncertain, if we can just begin to incorporate these into our everyday mindsets and our everyday conversation, that's how we're going to be better allies. And so this book is not the definitive guide to allyship, but it's what I have to offer to people who may want to become part of the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the book is phenomenal. It's called Demystifying Disability, What to Know, What to Say, and How to Be an Ally for Anyone That Wants to Lick It Up and Purchase Immediately. Uh, so what was, as a writer, I'm really curious about what was your writing process like for you know writing the book? When did you start having the idea and how did it come to fruition?
1: Gosh, well, Corey Lee, I know you write all the time. I feel like everywhere I look, you've got a new article coming out. And so I know you must relate to the feeling of just wanting to get the words on the page and get them to feel right, but also get them to feel welcoming and get them to to feel like everybody can be part of the conversation. And so for me, that was what the goal of this book always was. And I started writing it in 2019, very shortly before the outbreak of the pandemic. And so I ended up writing most of the book in total quarantine in the corner of my living room. I'm used to traveling a lot for work and for fun. And all of a sudden I was holed up in my house writing this book. So it was a different process than I thought it was going to be. But it really forced me to grapple with the very real ableism that was going on in the world around us. As I was writing this book and thinking to myself, there's such an urgency to this moment to recognize that the disability community is so often pushed to the wayside, forgotten about completely, not talked about. And so I wanted to create something that really opened up some of the conversations about disability. And... And the writing process for me was one of constantly grappling with how do I condense something that is the experience of over a billion people into one book? And the answer is you're never going to. You're never going to. But what you can do is offer a way to bridge the gap to start the conversation. And so my writing process was very much about how can we start the conversation?
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's something that I experience as well when writing. I mean, I can't cover every accessible travel area. I mean, there are so many versions of even traveling as a wheelchair user. It differs between scooters, manual chair, power chair. But um, I try to, you know, constantly just write about my experience. And it sounds like that's what you did as well, which worked very well for you. I mean, the book is phenomenal. So Um, There's one more aspect of like disability that I would love to discuss, and then we'll dive into the fun stuff, all about travel. Um, And so one of the questions that I receive most, and especially as a travel writer, um, whenever I'm being interviewed or anything in the journalism community, is about language surrounding disability. And so I feel like a lot of times publications are scared that they'll get the terminology wrong. And so they choose to just ignore us completely and not even write the articles. So when it comes to language, what terms do you prefer or what input do you have about language? (laughs)
1: i love talking about language i'm so glad that you brought this up and what's so important to me is to remind people that there's not always a right answer here because everybody has their own preferences language and identity are really, really deeply personal things. And so it is okay that there's not gonna be one right answer when it comes to how we talk about and how we think about disability. But first and foremost, the most important thing is to respect the preference, forgive that, Can I, can I, I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So first and foremost, It is so important to respect the preferences of people with disabilities. Everybody is going to have their own preference. Simply asking them is the best way to be respectful of that preference. For me, the default term that I ask people to use is disability it's not a dirty word. It's not a bad word. It's okay to say disability. It's okay to say people with disabilities and disabled people. And I caution people whenever possible to avoid using terms like special needs or to avoid using terms like differently abled, right? Because that's just dancing around it. It's disability and that's okay. However, I will say that if somebody tells you that they prefer the term special needs, if somebody says that they prefer the term differently abled, respect that too. But if you're just writing about disability, don't be afraid to say the word disability. That's what it is. There's 1.3 billion disabled people. Why be afraid to talk about that?
0: Yeah, disabled is not a bad word, I think. So yeah, love that you said, just ask the person. That's the only way you can really know. So Thank you for mentioning that. And now I would love to dive into travel. Um, so here at Hunt Discover, we uh, have thousands of accessible accommodations listed on our website. Um, people can go search for any destination around the world and figure out you know, where to stay that's accessible. So travel is at the heart of what we do. Um, so we all know that traveling as a wheelchair user is extremely challenging at times. And so in that regard, and what are maybe one or two ways that you think the travel industry could improve? What could it do better?
1: Gosh, well, first of all, I really, really wish that it was easier to book accessible accommodations because so often what happens is if you want to book A wheelchair accessible room, for example, you need to get on the phone and have a very specific conversation with somebody. And you need to say, I want a roll in shower. I need, you know, this type of bed, right? I need this type of room. And it's so complicated and it doesn't need to be that complicated. My goodness, it could be as simple as checking off boxes on a website, but we haven't gotten there yet. And so often when I make a phone call to book a hotel, people are confused by these very simple requests of, I need a wheelchair accessible room. You know, it shouldn't be that complicated. And then, you know, the second thing that I wish would change is just the fact that I so often show up to where I made a reservation and, they don't seem to have any clue or any record of the fact that I booked an accessible room to begin with. Right. And so, you know, that is something that truly, truly frustrates me because it's such a simple, simple thing. And then of course, you know, not just talking about travel accommodations, but also talking about airplanes and talking about how we get from point A to point B, Why are we not allowing wheelchairs on planes yet? Believe me, I know there are people working on it. You know, I know All Wheels Up is doing great work. I know the Department of Transportation is researching this, but we should have been there years ago, years ago. We shouldn't still be damaging wheelchairs. It shouldn't be a scary thing every time I get on an airplane, thinking that my wheelchair may not make it to the other end. So, you know, I'm sure neither of these answers are surprising, but they're both on my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could talk about air travel all day. I think uh, it's an issue that desperately needs work as well as accommodations, like you mentioned, and transportation. So many areas of the travel industry need improved drastically. But, uh, you know, I think we're slowly getting there. I think every few years, I mean, there are improvements. I do see something starting to shift in the industry, especially in air travel. So hopefully we'll be there one day and we can just roll on a plane and be comfortable and not have to worry about our wheelchair getting damaged. Um, so that's the dream. The
1: dream. <laughs> the dream. The dream. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And uh, what are some of your favorite travel experiences that you've had?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, one that I think back on very fondly is a trip that I took in 2018 to Montreal with my boyfriend. That was our first big trip together, and that was just such a, a lovely, lovely city to explore. I also really, really enjoyed back in goodness 2011 a trip to Israel which was just incredible uh, to be able to take in those sights and sounds and smells and just gosh it was lovely and I floated in the Dead Sea and you know went sailing on the Mediterranean and to know that all of that was accessible to me was really, really incredible. But then, you know, I also really just enjoy trips in and around the United States. And honestly, sometimes I like being a tourist in my own city. I'm a born and raised New Yorker, but (laughs) it seems like every weekend I'm discovering something new in New York. So as much as I love traveling, I'm also a big fan of enjoying what's in your own backyard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much to do in New York City. So I think you could, you know, stay there all the time and never get bored. (laughs) Every time I visit the city, I find something new to do.
1: (laughs) That is so true. Uh, Even just yesterday, I went to a theater that I hadn't been to before. And so now that, you know, I'm fully vaccinated and New York City is great about making people you know show their cards and just making yep. people feel safe and so I'm excited to start exploring again and I feel like I'm rediscovering and re-falling in love with New York City especially in the fall my goodness you know autumn is my favorite season in New York oh, it's yeah. beautiful.
0: Yeah it's. A, I think New York's amazing at any time I'm The biggest fan in the world of new york even with such not good transportation i still love the city with my whole heart so i can't wait to come back again
1: it still finds a way to hold my heart too despite the fact that i just don't love the transportation system but yeah oh my goodness next time you come back we will have to go adventuring together
0: yeah, let's do it. I'll be there in January and then again in February. So oh, my goodness. Definitely plan to hang out. But You
1: heard it here first. We're making plans live on the air. Right, right. Making plans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you t- you know, you talked about your good travel experiences, Montreal, Israel, even in New York and around the U.S. But are there any other experiences that stand out as not so great when you were traveling and how did you deal with that and overcome to still hopefully have a good trip
1: oh my goodness um i hate to throw anywhere under the bus but i once took a trip to superior wisconsin and there is really not much in the way of transportation infrastructure there and so i had booked um a, a transportation company that was supposed to take me to and from the airport and they conveniently forgot to pick me up the morning of my flight and i had no way to get to the airport none whatsoever because there was hardly so much as a public bus there's no you know rail system certainly not wheelchair accessible taxis i mean uber barely a thing and oh. so i just got trapped there and had to take a a much later flight and didn't get home until you know almost the next day so that was kind of a a frustrating moment because it was a reminder that something that could have been a very simple trip you know just Get in and out of a taxi, get to where I'm going was not something that I was able to do. And believe me, the people of Superior are lovely. It's not their fault. It's just an infrastructure thing. Again, going back to what you we were talking about before. And that's the story for pretty much every bad travel experience that I've had. You know, it's either something with transportation or occasionally I've had parts of my wheelchair broken by airlines, you know, I've been trapped in the airport because the accessible transportation that I booked didn't show up. I mean, I think it's the same song and dance for every wheelchair user, right?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Yeah, everyone that asks this question to it usually comes back to air travel and the wheelchair getting damaged. So, um, yeah, that seems to be a frequent issue as I talk to people and for me as well. I mean, it's happened to me many, many times um, and probably will continue to until we can finally roll on a plane as we were talking about, which is hopefully soon.
1: (laughs) And the most anxiety inducing thing is when you happen to be sitting at a window that allows you to see them putting your wheelchair into Uh, the (laughs) cargo hold. I have so many times just wanted to bang on the window and start screaming and be like, that is not how you do it. Oh yeah.
0: I have banged on the window, but unfortunately they couldn't hear it. So I had to sit there and just watch it just all happen, you know? Yeah. And
1: there was actually on my trip to Montreal, I almost thought I was going to get kicked off the plane because despite spending a few hours trying to get confirmation that my wheelchair would fit in the cargo hold, they ended up telling me your wheelchair is not going to fit unless we turn it on its side. And Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking you're going to turn my thousands and thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. you know, 400 plus pound piece of equipment on its side to fit it into this airplane, you know? luckily that that time it did not come back broken but certainly I have had many a time where various pieces of my wheelchair have gone missing oh yeah yeah
0: for sure and it definitely makes for not an enjoyable plane ride when you know they're like well we turned it on its side so then I'm just sitting there through the whole flight hoping and crossing my fingers that it'll arrive undamaged, and usually it does but sometimes it doesn't so It's definitely a risk, you know, we got to take, but you know, there are some ways to prevent damages, like using bubble wrap, things like that, which I do. But as far as like a tip goes, what is one of your top tips for other travelers that use a wheelchair? How can they have a more enjoyable trip?
1: You know, it's funny because the tip that I would give people, I'm not sure how well it's worked out for me. I've seen so many people do this where you print out an instruction sheet and you tape it to the wheelchair. And so one time I printed out, you know, a big sheet that said, here's how you handle this wheelchair. And remember, this is how I get around. So please be careful with it. And I duct taped the heck out of it to the chair and it was missing. The sign was missing. When I got the wheelchair back and I just had to laugh because that seemed to me a symbol of, you know, all that was wrong. All I wanted to do was, you know, give people instructions. And the one thing that I thought was protecting myself was gone when I got to the other end. So, you know, that would have been my top tip. But now, honestly, it's take the pieces of the wheelchair that you can onto the plane. You know, if you can take the seat cushion. If you can take the backrest, if you can take something onto the plane, hang onto it for dear life. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Definitely. And it's funny that you mentioned that they rip the paper with the instructions off because on the last, I do that for every flight, like tape the instructions to the wheelchair with my phone number on it, even with my picture on it, just so that they can, you know, put a face and realize it's actually somebody's piece of equipment. Um, And so I'll do that even. But last time I flew, they actually ripped it off and it was missing. So, yeah, it's happened to me, too, but still a really great tip that I think, you know, everyone should definitely do. And um, yeah, so thank you for the tips. Those are great. Um, But, you know, once the world has completely opened back up and we're out of this pandemic completely, if we ever get there, um, what is on the top of your travel bucket list?
1: Oh, my goodness. I am, first of all, hoping to get out to California, because that is where my boyfriend was born and raised. And so I want to, you know, hang out there with him. But then also, I am dying to go to Europe I just have not had the opportunity to do and this sounds so cliche I know but I really want to visit the UK uh it's been on my list for so long and so as soon as it's safe to do so I think uh, a europe trip is uh in order yeah, that sounds
0: amazing yeah uh, Europe is everything you think it is and so much more so you're gonna love it and um' I can't wait to follow along once you go.
1: (laughs) And let me tell you, I have been bookmarking, uh, you know, quite a few of your travel resources. I always send them to my boyfriend and say, look at all this hard work he did for us with the research already. (laughs) So, yeah, I really, I appreciate that. And I just can't wait to go on some more adventures of my own. Yeah,
0: definitely. Thank you for that. Um, But to wrap it up, is there anything else that you would like to say to our audience? And, can you please let people know how to find you online and how to connect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to connect with me online. You can find me on Facebook at Words I Wheel By. You can find me on Twitter at Emily underscore Ladau, L-A-D-A-U. And on Instagram at Emily Ladau, no underscore in between. <laughs> and I would really, really love to connect with people. I'm passionate about talking about so many different disability related issues, and so please don't hesitate to reach out because if you are on any kind of learning journey, I wanna be a part of that with you.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much, Emily, for talking with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation all about disability access, about travel, um, everything that we discussed about your role on Sesame Street, which I'm still like geeking out over. So yeah, thank you so much for uh, chatting today.
1: Corey Lee. thank you for having me. I just loved this. And I'm so so excited to have been a part of it.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to meet up in person soon. Again. Same, same. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, thank you all so much for listening as well. This was a really great conversation with Emily Liddell. Be sure to purchase her book demystifying disability, what to know, what to say, and how to be an ally. So until next time, safe travels. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Access All Areas. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can get notifications about upcoming episodes.